Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 120. I feel like I'm questioning everything right now. It's, it's obvious that something's wrong. Society is breaking down so quickly and in so many different places that it's difficult to figure out what exactly is wrong. At least it's hard for me. Maybe all you guys have it figured out but I'm struggling to understand. At least, if not what's going wrong, how to prioritize the problems. (laughs) For example, you know, pick a problem. Is that problem a little thing or uh, does it mean that everything you believed was a lie (laughs) And, and your entire worldview is about to collapse into a heap of sand? Which problems are existential? So I think we have to go upstream. We have to, hmm, we have to stop trying to treat symptoms and we have to figure out the disease. We have to figure out what caused the disease in the first place. You know, root causes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I think we evolved in a world that I don't know how to put this. It had a small radius. (laughs) And the time between different places was enormous. Or maybe there was no transmission mechanism between most places. Anything that happened just a couple hundred miles away, or even 10 miles away, that might have been basically a different universe. But now... Thanks to social media, (laughs) thanks social media, we have this instantaneous transmission mechanism at a time when everyone is already on edge. And so anything that happens in Seattle or Hong Kong or Portland today, that can happen in your city tomorrow. Distance itself, as we think about it, no longer provides safety. It no longer provides us with the time to react. And so if distance isn't safety, what's left? I don't know, but maybe it's community. But, (laughs) the fulcrum of the but, not all communities are the same. They're not all created equal. And I look around right now and I'm seeing a theme. And that theme is fleeing. (laughs) Fleeing. I see refugees from New York fleeing from COVID to Connecticut, and then hurricanes strike Connecticut and their power's out for a week, and those same people have to flee from Connecticut. I see people from San Francisco fleeing from COVID to Marin, and then the fires hit Marin, and the blackouts hit Marin, and the air becomes dangerous to breathe, and then they have to flee from Marin. And I see refugees from these these failed cities. I don't know how else to say it. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. They're fleeing from these failed cities to Denver and Austin and Boise. (laughs) I mean, they're probably bringing the same mentality with them that destroyed those cities in the first place. I remember watching the Syrian refugees 
by the way, fleeing from a group that America funded. And I remember thinking how much it sucked to be them. (laughs) I remember watching the Venezuelans trying to flee. I remember watching them starving, their daughters hooking on the streets like it was Germany 1923, and thinking, eh, sucks to be them. Who's next? Are we next? Maybe we're next. Countries collapse slowly, then quickly. So I come back to community, living somewhere with people who are inoculated against crazy new memes, who've had their booster shots, let's say, against ideology. People who don't read their opinions on the op-ed page of the New York Times. And not just the Times. Name me one institution that has any credibility right now. Any. I don't trust any of them. So I'm questioning everything. Really, everything. Everything. So, for example, I'm starting to question the Industrial Revolution. (laughs) And by that, I sort of mean, you know, Adam Smith, Ricardo, Wealth of Nations, Division of Labor, that kind of stuff. And this idea that Division of Labor creates specialization, which allows economies of scale, which increases production, so we have excess goods, and that means everyone gets to have more stuff. That sounds great. I'm sold. But then lately I've been thinking, what does specialization of labor do? Well, maybe it turns us into machine men. Maybe breaking tasks down to make production more efficient, it's tailorization. It's reducing a human being to his task. Production goes up, but what's the cost? Loss of craft, of meaning, of of soul, even. Where's the dignity in doing a repetitive task? Where's the dignity of never creating something whole? So I keep going. Okay, so division of labor seems to require urbanization. And look, cities are amazing for the young. Cities are opportunity. But all that urban density also makes cities hotspots for disease. And cities are alienating. And I get young people going to a city. I don't understand old people staying in cities. And even if you live in the suburbs, division of labor requires workers to all cluster together so they can all get to the same factory. So what does that do to a family? Well, the father commutes. That's a huge source of misery right there. He commutes to a distant worksite to perform repetitive, soul-draining labor. Meanwhile, the mother is confined to the house. She often feels isolated, despondent. And the kid, the kids, they're isolated as well. There's no apprenticeship anymore. There's no chores anymore. And today, in our coddled society, that child, well, she has a much harder time exploring her world. It's no wonder we're having a crisis of meaning. We didn't evolve to live like this. (laughs) We didn't evolve to live like this. Let's go even further back, okay? 
I'm starting to question, I'm starting, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I'm starting to question the agricultural revolution. Now, I recently read The Worst Mistake in the History of the Human Race by Jared Diamond and Against the Grain by James Scott. So my understanding is that the causal chain runs from people being sedentary, living in one area, to cultivation, to domestication, to the state, to the state. The state comes last. The state takes over existing, dense, sedentary concentrations of people that have the capacity to produce an excess of food. They have that capacity if they can only be forced to work more. And that basically means slavery. Slavery through unpaid labor, through debt, through chattel slavery, through prisoners of war. And the way they describe it, subsistence cultivation was a pretty good life. In a resource-rich area, you had intervals of intense activity. And then between these intense intervals, you had these long periods of leisure. Now contrast that to farming grain. Farming is monotonous. It's monotonous drudgery. It's insanely labor-intensive, and unlike cultivation, it's a constant fight against nature. I mean, you have to defend your field. You have to defend this simplified, artificial landscape from all the forces of nature. So why do we do it this way? Well, the state loves grain. The state loves grain because grain is easily controlled. Grain can be stored. Grain can be transported. Grain can be audited. It's easily measured and taxed and controlled. And the food that is created by farming grain is terrible food. It's just grain. It's mostly carbohydrates, and it creates malnourishment. I mean, they look at the records of these people, and their bones are weak. They had insufficient protein. They had anemia. The human race lost six inches of height after the agricultural revolution. Six inches. But (laughs) the key is that when you have coerced labor, farming grain, you do create excess food. And that allows an elite class. So what's the result? The result is you have self-appointed elites who rule a malnourished farming peasantry. The result, to put it bluntly, are slave states. The result is inequality that gets worse as these states get bigger. The result is constant war between these states. And even more, from my point of view, the result is fragility. Fragility. The fragility of a permanent non-producing elite. The fragility of the wars they start. The fragility of monocropping. And, and the resulting environmental disasters like salinization and uh, soil erosion, I guess, and deforestation. More, the fragility of disease that is created by density. Density of of animals in factory farming. The density of people in cities that become little more than, than work camps. 
Okay, so <laughs> I think this is pretty clear evidence that I'm really questioning everything. I have this very strong existing belief that our modern environment is causing hidden fragility, whether it's long, complex, just-in-time supply chains that have no buffer stocks, whether it's Monsanto monocropping, whether it's, it's seed oils in our foods, whether it's us sitting all the time, our addiction to social media dopamine, the way healthcare is hooking us on hormones and, and medications, the way everyone is doing such, such specialized jobs that we're losing our minds, becoming machine men. Everywhere I look, I see people and industries creating negative externalities, creating fragility, the military-industrial complex, the healthcare industrial complex, big tech. All of these are just volcanoes sucking in profit and spewing out problems into society at large. And all of it is completely new from an historical perspective. None of it has been tested by time. And now we're starting to see the cracks. Anyway, that's all I got. I'll catch you next week.